So we're back in the beginning, as it were, and this week we're looking at the concept of the Imago Dei, which is the image of God. You saw that on your screen just now. And uh, we're going to move on from Genesis chapter 1, but it's just so much here. And like we said last week, there's, there's so much to unpack. And so we want to talk about this incredibly important concept right now. Let me set this up for us. It is day one. Most things are about the same, except the office is closed and the streets are quiet. What will this all be like when it ends in a few weeks? Day two. Well, that wasn't too bad. I I should be able to get a few things done around the house in the middle of all of this, catch up on a few projects. Day three. This is not creation, obviously. (laughs) Day three. Maybe I should install Zoom on my desktop. I'm hearing that a few more people are starting to use it. Not sure I know too much about it, but maybe it will be fun. (laughs) Probably won't get used too much, though. Day 30. Wow, sure had a lot of Zoom meetings this month. Not sure how I feel about that, really. Day 300. Do you think it's possible to limit my Zoom time to two hours this week? I really don't think I can take more than that. Day 303. Happy New Year. Seriously? Seriously? Is it really? I'm feeling like I'm done, really. And somewhere, sometimes, some days in the middle of it all, you find yourself asking questions like these ones. Is this all there is? I don't feel like myself anymore. In fact, I don't feel well at all. Uh, Life isn't supposed to be this way. What is my value in the middle of all of this? God, is this all that there is? Do I even add value at all in any context right now? My family, my job, my marriage. Certainly not my church, it seems. God, you sure seem silent in all of this. You may be listening to this and, you know, you figured out I was talking about something different than creation from day 1 to 2 to 3 to 30 to 303. And you might be listening and thinking, how did he know? (laughs) How did he know I felt like that? Or you might be listening to this and saying, I don't think many people feel that way, honestly. Well, trust me, uh, based on the conversations I have had, there are many people that feel that way, honestly. And I think from time to time, if we're honest, we can all have those fleeting or maybe not so fleeting thoughts of our value and purpose in life. Do I matter? Would anyone miss me if I were to, you know, sort of magically disappear like poof tomorrow? Some people are good at having honest conversations about their regrets in life, their shortcomings, how they need to be more like Jesus, if, you know, if we're going to talk about it from a follower of Christ's perspective. And maybe they're good about the you know, dealing with the general disappointments in life. They have good friends to unpack things for them, with them, and lean on in difficult times, and relationships to lean into. But then there are theirs, for whatever reason, just can't do that. They don't have those kind of friendships, relationships, or opportunities. Maybe it's mental health struggles, the environment they grow up in. Maybe you grew up in an environment where it was like, you know, we don't talk about those kinds of things in, in our family feelings and all that stuff, or they just have never learned how or been taught how to lean into understanding their purpose and value, those sorts of things. Or there are those of you listening this morning, you have never had to 
you know, deal with those sorts of things be, because you never struggle with thoughts of the validity of your life in the grand scheme of things. You don't have those kinds of thoughts about those big picture things. You see yourself as having made it, you know, maybe even important perhaps. You know, uh, I, I have found that life has a way of eroding um, that sense of self-importance eventually. And perhaps around day 300, you have begun to see a few cracks developed in the outer protective layer that you have put up. Today we will deal with a passage of Scripture that should and does speak to every one of us today. Everyone. Not one of us, whatever place on the continuum that I just laid out, wherever you find yourself, not one of us uh, won't find something here this morning. Whether the cracks are just beginning to show, whether you have cracked and picked yourself up on your own or with the help of others, or, or perhaps you're doing really well because you are blessed in your current situation with good relationships, people around you, and you and Jesus are doing well. Regardless of where you are in all of that, there is something here um, for you today. If your world is falling apart, shaking at its very core, or perhaps you need to be shook at the very core today, so you will wake up to the reality of who you are and why you were made Today, these verses are for all of us, all of us. Let me read them. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. This is day six, not of quarantine, but of creation. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. You may be thinking, I've heard that before, and pastor, so what? Here's the thing. Again, let me state this. Wherever place you were at this, this morning, whatever place, whatever struggle, regardless of COVID dynamics, let's just move that aside. Maybe you've been in this place for years, whatever lie you have been believing about your value or your place in life, or the goodness or the fairness of God, maybe you've been questioning that because of what he has or hasn't done for you or what has or hasn't happened to you. You're thinking, so what, these verses? It doesn't matter. These verses are the antidote. These verses have 100%, you know, have a 100% efficacy rate. You know what I mean? Talking a lot about that these days. These verses, every time, every day, for every person. Now, before I get into, you know, what this does mean, I want to talk just briefly about what this doesn't mean, okay? Um, let me just say that this, just me teaching this today and building it up as I have, um, does in no way, okay, hear me, does in no way delegitimize the struggles you may have been having, if you're having struggles. I don't, I don't intend to do that at all today, because that's not true or fair. We live in a broken, fallen world, and, and the struggle is real, as we often hear it said. The struggle is real for so many people. But I hope for you this morning, you will take something away from, from this in the middle of maybe your struggle. Secondly, just knowing and hearing truth is not enough. Even memorizing these verses, repeating them daily, which may be a very good thing to do, will not guarantee the pain that you feel, the questions you have, whatever. It won't make them magically disappear. 
You know, that's just not a reality. It doesn't work that way. Scripture is not a talisman or a, a magical incantation. You can put this up on the doorposts of your houses, over your bed, you know, the bathroom mirror. It doesn't matter. You can do that all over your house, and it won't make it magically disappear. Okay? It's just not what Scripture is. Thirdly, every passage of Scripture... Well, let me, before I go to number three, uh, I want to just talk about something briefly that it isn't as well. It isn't a license to dominate creation. Because you heard that bit in there about um, giving the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over and the livestock and all that kind of stuff. We're, we're not going to dive too deeply into that. I will a little wee bit, but it's not about that. We don't get to rule in that sense. Uh, so number three, every passage of Scripture... Every story, this is an important bit. you got to get this. If you don't get this, walking away today. Hear this part. Every passage of Scripture, every story, every nugget of truth, every character, every foundational theological truth has to be viewed from the other side of the cross now. Has to be viewed from the other side of the cross. In light of the gospel, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. All of it. Why, you might ask? Because that was God's plan. It all leads to that place, the person, the work of Jesus Christ. God sent his son to show us who he is, and Jesus came to tie it all together. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Remember, we talked about that last week. The four parts, if you will, of the gospel story. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. It's all about Jesus. He was there at the beginning, and he is there at the end, and for eternity. So, nothing happens in isolation without gospel good news attached to it. He will come back at the end. He will come back. So now, what does it mean? What does it mean? At the end of the creation days, at day six, just before God rested, uh, the pinnacle of creation was when he created man in his image, that imago day that we talked about. That's our title today, the image of the deity or the image of God. Um, really, that's what it means. The Hebrew word here that is used, his selem, image, it means a, a representation or a representative in physical form, not a res, uh, representation of the physical appearance. Okay? That's, that's a distinct difference. It's not a representation of the physical appearance. Just look around the room, look at your family, look at your children. You don't look like God. <laughs> That's just, Scripture tells us God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit, okay? This is about uh, a represent, representation, a representation of who he is in a physical form, not a representation of his physical form. So what this means is not that we are made to look like him, rather we are to be like him. Huge, Okay? Not to look like him. It might seem elementary, but get this, but to be like him. Many have broken that down, and you've probably heard some of this stuff. You know, we have mind, we have soul, we have spirit, we have emotions, volition. You know, that means we can make choices. And I think that is accurate in, in most ways, but I do think there's more here as well. We need to unpack this just a little bit more. Uh, one writer has said this, and I, it was a good quote, so I wrote the whole thing down here for us. When, uh, while a baby may be affirmed to be in the image of its father, few can recognize that image. Based on the inherent image and relationship with the father, the image grows more recognizable as the child matures. This does not essentially take place 
in a physical way, but rather in the way the child mirrors the attitudes, expressions, and character traits of his or her father. The biblical text, by offering us this explanation, gives us the key that while we were all in the image of God, we likewise have the capacity to become more and more in the image of God. That is, we are created with the potential to mirror divine attributes. I think that's helpful. To mirror divine attributes. How many of us have seen this come true in our own lives? You know, the words and expressions we use, the little idiosyncratic things we do, the stories we tell, the responses we have. I often find my, myself saying something along the lines of, my daddy used to say that, you know, and then I say it, so I guess I've just become my father. Uh, the things that make us laugh and, and make us angry sometimes, they often reflect our fathers or our mothers, if you will, too, because they're a huge influence. Even if we don't care to admit it, it's true. And like I said earlier, this idea of being created and in bearing the image of God is seen an even deeper way as we enter the New Testament from the perspective of redemption, sanctification, and eventually glorification when we get new bodies and we get to spend eternity with Jesus. These all serve as additional factors to refine the image of God in us, particularly when we are redeemed and sanctified and work towards you know, that becoming more and more like Jesus. The point being, you know, as Paul says in Philippians, it goes like this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to, the complete, to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That work is just going to continue as we surrender and give ourselves to Jesus. So the first thing I want to tell us this morning to see that it is, is this. The first thing we see is that being made in the image of God confers on us a sense of dignity. It confers on us a sense of dignity. The idea of dignity has its uh, root uh, in the idea of honor and respect. When we use dignitaries, we especially as it relates to position or authority. You know, it was interesting, and maybe many of you, some of you, I don't know, probably lots of you, watched uh, bits and pieces of the inauguration of the American president the other day, the festivities from Washington. I enjoyed watching this part, uh, all the dignitaries arriving in the limos and the black SUVs. You know, the, the guy gets out of the, the, the front you know, the passenger seat, and he, and he steps out, and he looks around, looks left, looks right, makes sure everything's clear and safe, you know, and then he opens uh, the back door, and, and then out pops Bernie in his mittens. <laughs> and maybe some of you have been seeing this all over the internet this week, Bernie Sanders in his mittens that look like they fit better in a Canadian winter than there on the steps in Washington. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I've enjoyed watching Bernie pop up on my timeline and feeds all, work in the str- all week in the strangest of places. Uh, one of our members put him in the Sokolo, sitting there in his chair, <laughs> Bernie with his, with his mittens, and it, it's just become quite the thing. Uh, there are days when the, the creativity that I see, and it often comes out uh, you know, on the internet, the creativity of people amazes me. But honestly... And seriously, that capacity for creativity itself comes from our being made in his image. Of course, it gets abused, but that's where it comes from. That should really jump out at us as we read this truth in the context of creation. He is a creative God. He speaks, it becomes what he says it should be, and then he looks at it and says it's good, and he creates, and we are made in his image. We are like him. 
It, it is a part of what gives us dignity, but there is so much more here. The depths of this truth are actually unsearchable. We have ultimate value because of the depth of the value of the Creator we were modeled after. Did you hear that? We have ultimate value because of the depth of the value of the Creator we were modeled after. Wow. This truth is so important as we make, as we may ask questions from time to time about where we fit in. But I think it is even more important as we consider the people around us. Hear this. If this is true of who I am, okay, if this is true, and this is what Scripture says, of who I am, it is also true of the people around me, and this has implications. Let that just drop on your mind and settle into your heart for a couple of seconds. You probably just thought of someone. <laughs> yep, you mean that guy? Yeah. The one who, yeah, him too. The one I can't stand to be around? Yes. What about that one I'd like to tell off at work and, you know, like, ah, yep, him too. How about the political leader who I think is, is reprehensible? You know that's true too. The childhood idol who felt from grace and, yeah, them too. People who are a different color from me? Without question. Groups of people from a different culture or religious belief system? Them too? Yeah, them too. It's all true. Did I miss any? <laughs> I'm sure you can think of a few more. Can you see the implications here? How this could and should change not only how you see yourself, but also how you see others. Your marriage, your job, your neighbors, the way you treat your brothers and sisters, it literally affects everything. It should. Being made in the image of God confers dignity and demands thoughtful response and action based on that truth. Secondly, being made in the image of God causes responsibility. Um, being created in his image is perhaps not the best translation of the Hebrew here, although most of our English uh, Bibles do, uh, do it that way. It may be better to understand it um, created as the image of God, especially when you dig into the context. It is true, again, that you will read it that way in your Bibles, your English, and probably Spanish as well, but it doesn't really confer the, 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 the depth of what's being said here. But the question should be asked, why we were created that way as or in the image of God, however you want to read it. As you read the text, it becomes clear that we were not created that way so that we could be like God in the world, hear this, but rather to be for God in the world or to reflect the character of God in the world. Bible scholar N.T. Wright says it this way, I like this. It seems to me that God has put humans like an angled mirror in his world. It would be something like, like holding it like this and light reflecting this way. Think of that. Light comes here reflecting down. An angled mirror in the world so that God can reflect his love and care and stewardship of the world through humans and so that the rest of the world can praise the creator. Hear this part. Through humans. <laughs> that aligns with scripture. May people see your good works so that they can praise your father in heaven. From Matthew. Man, that is that is beautiful picture. That gives us a role in caring for creation. Remember that bit I talked about earlier? Really, we are the original environmentalists. 
balanced and fully compatible with what God has done, given, and called us to. And I, I want to frame it this way, and lots have, and I, I think it's helpful. Given us a role in stewardship, not ownership. Stewardship, not ownership. It's an important distinction. Given us care to care, true biblical Christianity is completely compatible with good environmental policy. If that scares you a little bit, don't let it. Read some literature. There's some fantastic literature out there about Christian environmentalism. And it applies to everything, all, all the created order, the relationships and people we encounter, the resources, the science, the, the math and medical knowledge, any possible endeavor or encounter, all there to reflect and bring glory and place to the master, to the master, <coughs> excuse me, not the stewards of it, to the master. Famous one, as we sang about earlier. Man, we miss this so much. Just think what this world, your place in it, your family, even this church would be like if it were all about the master and not about me. <laughs> I strive for that. That is the responsibility that we have been given. Why the image is there in the first place, and again, it truly finds its footings when we bring it in line with the gospel and the witness of Jesus when he tells us that he came to do the work of the Father and not that of his own will. When he models it for us, and he does. Are you beginning to see it? It's one of those wow things if you get it. And we're supposed to do the same thing. And finally, not only does the Imago Dei confer dignity, cause responsibility, but it actually creates capacity. It creates capacity. One comment I read this week said that we can see it from other contexts that the image of God, the other context in the Old Testament, that the image of God is not lost entirely at the fall. <clears throat> Though it must be somehow hampered or reduced or else it would not need to be restored. Uh, <clears throat> so what he is saying is that the image is still uh, there, even if sin is a great destroyer of and continues to be, but that because of how we were created, the potential continues to exist for it to be restored. And he goes on to say this, the image is a physical manifestation of divine or royal essence that bears the function of that which it represents. This gives the image bearer, us and all your neighbors that you're thinking about, the image bearer, the capacity to reflect the attributes of the one represented and act on his behalf, which is our responsibility. And now we have capacity. This brings it right back again to the gospel. You may be hurting, feeling entirely broken even, but because of the gospel, because Jesus came, taught, died, rose again, ascended on high from whence he came, as the creed says, and then sends his Holy Spirit, the capacity has been created for us to reflect the image of God in new and increasing ways every day and live the dignity that is in the dignity that is ours as his children, growing in our understanding of our responsibility to care for the gift and all of created order as our capacity to do so grows when we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. This should energize you and I on day one, on day two, and day three. And when we're on the other side of day 300 or 3,000, nothing changes. We have dignity, responsibility, and capacity. He has made us and is with us. 
The trouble with this all and often is that rather than believe the truth, this truth that's here in front of us, we believe the lies of the enemy. You're no good. You're of no value. Your life is worthless. You're never going to have good friends. You're never going to find a spouse. You're never going to get that job you wanted. You're a loser. Lies, lies, lies. And it doesn't align with the truth that we find here in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Speaking truth out loud that our enemy does not want us to hear again, remember, that's how I want to end this morning. I want to speak this truth out loud. I want to read this passage again, and then we will pray, and we will worship together to close as we sing of his great love for us that reaches to the heavens and literally comes from the heavens to us to the ends of all creation. So hear this truth out loud again. We speak it. I speak it over us all as a blessing this morning for us to to wallow in that truth and not in lies, as it were. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them with dignity, responsibility, and capacity. Let's pray.